Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est le bon You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by... Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. La Vida TV, embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy Tuesday night, that is, for all those expecting Tony Marinero. He's on vacation. So I'm taking taking, uh, some shows off his shoulders for uh, the next few days, weeks, whatever it may be. I was on twice last week. You got me once this week only, just Tuesday. Uh, So we're going to make the best of it. All right, the SICK Podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. They've been named by Deloitte and CIBC of one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for our customers, our employees, and our communities. Uh, Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. We're also brought to you by Playground, open 24-7. Drinks are always free when you play, and over 600 machines, daily promotions, including Bust the Bank Pirate Edition with a $100,000 weekly top prize every Sunday and a $1 million top prize at the grand finale on September 10th. Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal, playground brewed in quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards la petite tv offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la bit at tv embrace your true nature and of course by murphy clinic who are an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care they offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne rosacea fine lines and more they currently have two clinics one located in montreal shop angus and our second one on the north shore in terrebonne they're also opening soon in quebec city Visit murphyclinic.ca or on Instagram at murphyclinic. Okay, so Tony had uh, Monday's regular guest, Eric Engels, yesterday. Uh, Good to see Eric back on the program. Uh, They spoke about when's the rebuild over. People are getting impatient. When can we say that this thing is done? Uh, Lots of interesting bits in there. I I enjoyed that podcast quite a bit. So we're going to kind of do a part two-ish to that, uh, to yesterday's podcast today with my regular guest on Fridays, but he was kind enough to join me on Tuesday. Once again, Mr. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Stu, how are we doing? 
I'm doing very well. Hot, like everybody else, but uh, doing pretty good apart from that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot to mention. I hope everyone out there is staying cool, uh, staying cool somehow. Uh, Stu, I did something very dumb yesterday. I decided uh, to go on a ten-kilometer run. Oh, I, <laughs> I had never to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. I had never sweat so much in my entire life. And uh, the worst part about it was my plan was when I got home, I was going to run to my girlfriend's house. She was going to drive me home. And then so I could change into a bathing suit, drive to hers, jump in her pool. I get to her house. She goes, hey, change of plans. My grandparents are over. We're just going to sit and talk. And I was very happy to talk to her grandparents. But I looked and smelled horrible uh, as I was sitting there. So uh, that's that was my day yesterday. So uh, how are you? uh, How are you dealing with this heat? Well, I took my dog for a walk very early this morning before the heat got too bad. And it was still really hot. I had a black lab. So being a black furry dog on a day like this is the best thing. But uh, I got home. My t-shirt was soaked. But I'm lucky I have a pool in the backyard here. So I was able to jump in and cool off. Well, there you go. And, you know, like we always say, you know, pre post show, whenever we talk, we're like, oh, we can't complain about the weather. Mm -hmm. But like when it gets to like 40 degrees with humidity and it's to the point where it's unenjoyable to be outside, that's where I like I don't really complain, but I'm not going to not complain about it. And it's September. It's not July. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot easier to pallet these days in in July and August, but like September, it's like, can you give us a little bit of relief? Just a little bit. I feel really sorry for the kids back in school and schools that aren't air conditioned. And there's quite a few of them that aren't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember those days actually. Uh, Sitting in an un-air conditioned gym, writing exams, Mm. just already sweating from nerves and then (laughs) from the heat too. Uh, all right. So yesterday, Tony and Eric spoke about what the Canadians need to do to officially declare this, uh, or what are the things that need to happen to declare this uh, rebuild over? One thing that I found interesting was there was no real, they, they spoke a lot about the young core and possible additions, how those additions are going to be made. What there's there's one thing that I found they didn't talk about, and that was the subtractions that need to be made. Because, frankly, there are a, a lot of bad contracts on this team. Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, they've done a fantastic job of offloading many of them. But the toughest ones that remain at the top are Gallagher, uh, Josh Anderson, who that's up for debate if that's a bad contract. Mm-hmm. A lot of Josh Anderson. Uh, then there's Christian Dvorak, who has less term. Jo- Yoel Armia, who has less term. Jake Allen, less term as well. Uh, do you think that they can progress and really compete with those players or the majority of those players on the roster? Or do, the, or do at least three out of five of those names have to be gone? Well, the thing is, every team in the NHL has bad contracts. Right, every team. We go down looking cap friendly. Every team has contracts that they wish they could get rid of. The Canes were able to get rid of quite a few of them, um, and Ken Hughes done a good job of that since he came over. But he's not going to get rid of all of them. But the ones that he's left with, yeah, Brendan Gallagher, you know, at that six point five million. I haven't totally given up on Gallagher yet because last season he was mm-hmm. playing on a broken ankle, uh, which is really you know it's typical <laughs> Brendan Gallagher to try and play on a broken ankle. So I want to see him healthy with a long break and see what he can do. I don't think he can be a 30 goal scorer again, but he might be able to score 20. And the thing with Gallagher, the effort level is always going to be there. You're always going to get a hundred percent out of him. The question is how much 
of 100% of Brendan Gallagher is there left. Josh Anderson, I've written, and I think I've said to you also, I would not have traded him. I, don't, I think he's a player. The day you trade Josh Anderson is the day you start looking for another guy like Josh Anderson, a big guy who can go up and down the wing who can, you know, when the Canes went to the Stanley Cup final, one of the reasons they did is just the forechecking that Anderson was able to do with his big body and just making it miserable for the other team's defenseman going back to get the puck uh, in their own end. Jake Allen, you know, a veteran guy, great guy in the room, well-respected. Um, they're big contracts, but they're not horrible guys to still have around. Mm. Um, you know, Dvorak's a guy that, you know, they, they have an abundance of centers now. It'll be interesting to see if, if Kent Hughes is able to move him. But the, the main thing with this rebuild, the main word uh, is patience. And it'll be interesting to see just how patient Canadians fans are. You know, people, new GMs take take over. They talk about a five-year plan. Well, the Canadians have had one full year of this rebuild. You know, when Hughes came in and, and Gordon came in in the middle of the season before, it was a total mess that they took over. Mm. So we're one full year into a rebuild. So I think we're three years away uh, from this team being where Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon wanted them to be when they took over. Um, so again, just the patience is a virtue. And I think that's a, a really a saying that really impacts the Canadians. Now they don't need to really rush into doing much. I mean, they've done, Canadians have done a lot of heavy lifting uh, already, getting rid of some bad contracts and, and picking up more draft picks. So I think they're, they're in a really good position as far as this rebuild goes. And again, it's just going to be interesting to see how, how patient fans are willing to be. And I think they will be patient because I think they see that there is a solid plan in place. Um, you know, with Mark Bergeron, a lot of it was a case of every year just making adjustments here and here, just hoping to get into the playoffs this year. You know, not really thinking about the future or worrying about the future. And now the plan is we're going to build gradually and slowly and hopefully be a team, as Kent Hughes said and Jeff Gordon said, that's not just competitive one year, but it's going to be competitive for many years in a row. And I think they're en route to that. And I think patience is going to be a key going forward. Another key that I think is not even the team itself, but the teams that they're playing against, because the Atlantic division Mm -hmm. is just absolutely loaded with amazing teams. So you have teams like Toronto, who probably are not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Ottawa's on the come up. Buffalo's on the come up. Detroit is a weird one. It's like, we're not really in well position to compete, but we're trying to well position ourselves to do it. Uh, we're trying to kind of expedite that. Um, Boston's an interesting one because that one with now with Patrice Bergeron out of the picture, that could go either way. It could mm-hmm. finally be the year that everyone will be right when they say at the beginning of every season, this is the year that Boston misses the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so Boston's a weird one and Tampa Bay, I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So that, I mean, when that just popped into my head when you said like they want to, they're three, four years away. A lot can change in three, four years, and a lot can change with those teams. In well, exactly. Years. A lot of those teams, they're, they're, they're star players who are in their late 20s, early 30s, four years from now, are going to be in decline like any player once they get over 30. Mm-hmm. So it's the case of, I mean, right now, yeah, this division and, and the conference they're in is, is, that's why I don't think Kansas make the playoffs this year. I think they'll be fun to watch. I think it'll be better than they were last year, especially if they can stay somewhat healthy. But um, when you look at the big picture, again, being patient, three, four years down the road, a lot can change with the Canadians and a lot can change uh, with the teams that they'll be looking to, to catch up to. And, you know, I've mentioned this before many times, you know, the, the group of players, the key players that Kent Hughes is, is put together here, are all 21, 22, 23 years old, 24 years old. They're all going to grow up together on and off the ice. And four years from now, they, they should be at, 
at their peak level or ready to, to, to peak together at the same time. And if you're rebuilding, that's something you want to have. You want to have your good players all to be at their prime at, at, this, at the same time. And that's what the Canadians look like they're going to be. And they also have lots of draft picks. I mean, I know Eric mentioned that last, last night when he was on with Tony. He has 27 picks they have over the next three years. Uh, not, they're not going to use all those picks, but you can use some of those mm-hmm. picks to package in deals, as Kent Hughes has, has already been able to do. Um, you know, we're talking about trades. The fact he was able to get rid of uh, Mike Hoffman and not eat any of that contract. You know, we did have to eat some of Jeff Petrie's contract later, but uh, it's it's patience and and just an ability. As I said, the guys with the big contracts, as you mentioned before, that um, Kent Hughes would probably like to move. It's not the worst thing in the world to still have them around because they're good guys in the room. The effort level mm-hmm. is there. Uh, they want to be in Montreal. Brendan Gallagher loves Montreal, and Josh Anderson loves Montreal. Uh, Jake Allen lo- likes being in Montreal, and that's huge. I think that's a that's a big deal when you're trying to build. Uh, a young rebuilding team. You want to have guys that are happy to be here. And those guys are happy to be here. So simple question, just, you know, based off of, you know, projections, I think we're both on the same page, you know, three, four years till you're Mm -hmm. actually legitimately competing within the division. Um, And, and I agree with you. It would, you know, if you don't, you're Josh Anderson is a desirable player and you're probably Mm -hmm. looking for another one, but just to play a little bit of devil's advocate because they're three, four years away and Josh Anderson only has four years. And apparently according to Kent Hughes, very desirable. He had offers on the table Mm -hmm. for him. Um, You know, because you mentioned playoffs and hit the four check in the playoffs. Like, is that really something the team needs right now like i feel like they could move off of him and kind of sort of bank on you know uri slavkovsky with his big frame turn him into uh you know a guy who could turn go up and down the ice like mm-hmm. that no well anderson's also a leader on the team he's one of the big leaders on this team and slavkovsky you know last year didn't look like he was ready to play in the nhl if slavkovsky makes mm-hmm. a dramatic improvement this year or next year and looks like he is ready to fill a similar role to what Josh Anderson has, then you're more likely to, to, to want to trade him. The thing is, in the rebuild, the, the Kings, it's, you know, last year was a lot of talk about how Kings should just tank and finish last, and some people are upset they didn't, but you still, you don't want to let a losing culture get into your locker room, like what happened mm-hmm. in Buffalo and what has happened in other teams. It's hard to get rid of it. You want you still want guys to be competing and trying to win games. And I think Josh Anderson gives you a better chance, opportunity to win games at this point. And also, he's really improved as a player with Marty St. Louis and, and changed the way he plays. He's, he's no longer just that guy who goes up and down the wing hundred miles an hour and goes to the net. Marty St. Louis taught him that, you know, it's not, you don't always have to go hundred percent out. And sometimes it's better to shift gears and change speeds and maybe not just go straight up and down, cut to the middle. And he's been working with them and Anderson's very receptive to it. And uh, St. Louis is doing the same thing with Brendan Gallagher, a similar type of guy, just up and down the wing. And that's the type of hockey the Canadians played in the past, right? It was very simple. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a lot of creativity offensively. And Marty St. Louis wants more creativity offensively. So if you've got veteran guys that are willing to listen, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but if they're willing to lo- learn a different way to play the game and the guys in the Canadians, all of them listen when Marty St. Louis speaks and, and it makes sense and they look at the game differently. Um, and I think that's another reason why they're keeping them. And I think that's another reason why Slavkowski wasn't, sent down to Laval last year, sent to the World Juniors, they wanted him to be around Marty St. Louis, and they wanted him to sort of, Marty be able to work with them on a, on a day-to-day basis uh, during games, on practices, etc. So, again, I mean, I've, I've been 
I've, I've written it. I've said it many times. Josh Anderson, I wouldn't be in a rush to, to trade Josh Anderson. If you get a, an incredible offer for him, yeah, but I wouldn't be looking to just give him away. And I don't think Ken Hughes is. And again, it gets back to patience. Um, you know, it may, maybe they'll be better. On, you know, if Josh Anderson does have a big year with Marty Singley this year and scores 30 goals or something, uh, you're going to get a lot better offer for him next offseason than you will this offseason. Do, do you agree with what Eric said when he said, that he doesn't really like a lot of people are myself included. I put myself in this category um, where he says like, he doesn't expect the Canadians in next off season or in two off seasons when really a lot of those contracts come off the books uh, to really drop the hammer in free agency and start throwing around cash. Or is that something that's going to be really they're banking on their internal guys becoming who they're supposed to be. And then, should they need reinforcements, you know, go fetch a guy through a trade? Yeah, I, and it's interesting because I, I imagine you watched that video that Canes released recently, the behind the scenes at the draft. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Gordon, when he was talking uh, at one point, said uh, it's really hard to get talent. And he said, you know, that free agency isn't the best way because you're getting old guys who make a lot of money and might be on the downside of their career. And he said the best way to get that talent is drafting or getting lucky. I mean, Raphael Harvey Pinard, if Raphael Harvey Pinard turns into a 25 or 30 goal scorer is like a seventh round draft pick, that's lucky, right? You got lucky with a draft yeah. pick. Um, and so his from listening to him talk then and with the patience, I don't think that's necessarily the route they're going to go through just because you're bringing in older guys who make a lot of money, maybe on the downside of their career. Um, you got to pick and choose your spots. There might be some free agents come available that are worth it. Uh, but I don't think that's their main focus. I think their focus is to keep these young guys, bring them along, and then those guys are going to make their money as they come along also. And the other thing I think they can't use is then that has been smart is, is giving, you know, the Brendan Gallagher contract was a case of Mark Bergevin rewarding Brendan Gallagher for what he was, what he used to mm-hmm. be, right? And Brendan Gallagher was underpaid when he made 30 goals. Brendan Gallagher has earned every single penny he's ever earned from the Canadians with his effort level. But that contract was more, Brendan, you've been great for us for so many years. Here, we're going to reward you even though you're going to be you know, 36 or whatever, 35 and that contract is over. Whereas with Cole Caulfield, it's like, okay, Cole, we believe in you and we're going to pay you now because we're confident you can produce moving forward. And I think that's the way to do it. And then the guys get older, like a Gallagher type guy, when they get older, then you, you try and move them and, and keep a younger sort of uh, uh, generational players coming in that are cheaper. And that was when you said, uh, sorry, when Gordon said that in the video, I was saying it's so true because how many, how many big free agent signings have really worked out? You know, how many of those mm. big sort of off-season guys that you sign have really worked out? And, and there's not all that many. Yeah. It's it's hard to even think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, Panarin, Panarin has been a great player in New York. You know, you can't yeah. say that one really flopped. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably full value. But other than that, not John really. Tavares, John Tavares. Yeah. That... Toronto, what, 11 million. Uh, Again, an older guy making a lot of money. Yeah. You know, Patrick, Patrick Kane now. I don't think he even had an offer yet. But as Gordon said, you're giving a lot of money to older guys who are more likely on the downside of their career, and that's sort of what happened with Brendan Gallagher, right? When when Bergevin signed him, he was an older guy who was on the sort of the downside of his career, and they gave him a lot of money, and that's one of the contracts that uh, you know I'm sure Kent Hughes would like to move if he could, but. Uh, um, you know, especially with the season Gallagher had last year with the broken ankle and, and not producing, nobody's going to pick up that uh, $6.5 million contract. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned it. 
let's let's talk about it quickly because I, I spoke about it on Friday with producer Shane when he was my uh, my guest of the day. Um, you mentioned the draft video, great video for fans. Mm-hmm. Fans love that; they eat that up. And you know, as media members, when nothing's going on in the summer. Yeah. We, we eat that up too. Yeah. So uh, one thing I found very, very interesting that they decided to include was Jeff Gorton basically kind of sort of saying, you know, that they redacted the name when he was talking about, we could all put two and two together. He was kind of talking about uh, Matt Vemichkov saying like, oh, you don't, you don't find talent like this. You got to be like, you got to draft that talent. Like, did you find that interesting that they decided to include that in there? Yeah. Well, I think, I think because the entire scouting staff seemed to be on board with not taking them. I think that was the thing. And even at one point, Gordon says, you know, I just want to make sure we get this right. Like you guys are certain this is like, you know, sometimes you take a chance. It's not worth taking a chance on this guy. And, and mm-hmm. in that room, uh, it looks like they didn't think it was worth taking a chance. Um, you know, so they went with Reinbacker instead, which is more of the, the safe the safe pick uh, in that position. And, you know, with all drafts, we'll find out uh, moving forward if that was the right decision or not. But I see with Mitch Krupp and the KHL, he's been a healthy scratch, I believe, his first couple of games there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's that the, the Russian factor it factors in. I think it's going to get even more complicated as, as time goes on. So, um, yeah, but it seems like uh, from what the video anyway, that basically everybody in that room seemed to agree that it uh, wasn't worth taking uh, the risk by drafting Mitch Krupp. I just I found it weird because it, you, you, like as you know you saw the reaction when it happened. I mean when when Reinbacher got selected, it's no slight against him, but I I just found with how controversial that was, kind of removing the honeymoon tag off of Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton, uh, it was kind of that moment for them, and they they flat out like said like it kind of, they they kind of made it seem like Jeff Gordon wanted Mitchkov like he was ready if it was his decision that's kind of how i saw it i don't that's, know yeah i saw it as sort of he was you know as he said so you need to take a risk sometime and Mitchkov would have been a risk and i guess he just wanted to maybe in a way if it doesn't work out it makes Gordon look good as he was a guy who was sort of saying are you sure that it's not worth taking the risk on this guy mm. and uh for everybody else in the room to to agree it wasn't I guess that's the way uh, he decided he was going to go. You know, and like yeah. for me, I still like the Mitchcraft thing. I still would have, if it was me, I, I, you know, I would have taken Ryan Leonard, I think, just because I think they need offense. Mm-hmm. I think he throw the Brady Kachuk style of player and a big winger that could go up and down and score goals and bang and whatnot. I think he would have been uh, a better player for the Canes at this point. But, you know, again, who knows? We'll see three years down the road, four years down the road, whether the Canes made the right decision taking Reinbacker, whether they made the wrong decision, not taking Mitchkov or not taking uh, Ryan Leonard. Um, but yeah, in that video, it sort of just seemed that I guess they wanted to, I mean, it's, it's part of marketing and PR, right? These videos, but it was, it was part of just showing fans that they did look at Mitchkov. They did seriously dis- mm-hmm. look at him. The executive director of hockey operations asked this guy, are you sure this guy isn't worth taking the risk on? And they came to the conclusion that he wasn't. Yeah, I feel like I was uh, maybe 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 I'm diving a little too deep. Maybe I'm not because you know, in a fabricated video coming from the organization, 
it's one thing like I feel like you can't read between the lines too much. But when you hear something in a press conference, that's when you can be like, okay, I feel like there's something there. Because everything that was put in that video was put in that video for a reason, obviously. Yeah, and, and yeah, and you go back when they first started at 24-7. I remember that infamous clip of Michel Therrien just chewing out P.K. Subban in the locker oh, room. Subban <laughs> basically saying to him, what do you want? Tell me what you want me to do instead. Tell me. And mm. Therrien did. He just kept screaming and yelling at him. And in hindsight, I'm sure the Canadians regret that they let that get into the video. And I'm sure they're much more closely edited now. Um but the other thing that was interesting, I wrote a column, just finished writing a column about it. It's on hockeyinsideout.com uh, now. It's on just on Jacob Fowler and how the debate they had between a couple of scouts on why he should or shouldn't be the first goalie uh, they select. And uh, I found that was an interesting part of the video. And also the interview they had with Fowler, the kid just oozes confidence. Um, oh, yeah. And as a goalie, that's uh, that's what you want. And one of the scouts saying, this kid just wins everywhere he goes. Like, there might be other goalies with better technique or better whatnot, but this kid just, everywhere he goes, he wins. And uh, mm -hmm. so that's a guy that's going to be interesting to watch when uh, rookie camp starts up next week. Yeah, they really made him seem like the darling of the of the video, of the draft. Gave him a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of face time. And I was... Yeah. Uh, I liked seeing that because it clearly it means uh, they believe in him and maybe yeah. he's the heir apparent to the crease. Uh, that, well, and that's why they were pushing that. The thing I, I thought watching it is he has the confidence, uh, a little bit of the cockiness too that I think Caden Primo is really missing. Like Caden mm -hmm. Primo is such a quiet kid and such a reserved kid. And, and um, you know, his problem, like in the AHL, he's great. In the NHL, it just seems like he's a deer in the headlights when he gets into the NHL. And mentally, the pressure or whatever it is, he, he, he just can't do it. So it's sort of, they're two sort of extreme opposites and personalities. Um you know, with Fowler, as I said, just he's really, really confident or a cocky kid. And to be a goalie in Montreal, you need to be that. I mean, you know, Patrick mm -hmm. Wall was that way. You know, Carey Price is that way. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of the most pressure-packed positions in all of sports. And you got to be uh, a little bit confident and a little bit cocky, I think, to succeed in that position. Yeah. Uh, he's one He's one that I'm very excited to see after that video came out. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, just, just thought it was weird that they didn't push really – I mean, they like they pushed they pushed the scouts talking about Reinbacker, but they never pushed Reinbacker talking about hockey. You know, like yeah, the, the I, part I, about very odd. Two little old ladies in line at the bank and a guy cut in front of that. Yeah, that was really weird. That was a, like to me. You know, they talk about that you only have twenty minutes with the interview with these kids, and I thought that was a really strange question you know what would you do if a little old lady cut in front of two guys you and two guys uh, sorry a guy cut in front of two little old yeah. ladies and you in the line at a bank i just thought that was a pretty bizarre question to ask uh when you're but, in but such that's a well that's it because you know like clearly they used so much of the time if not all with fowler just talking about shooters and talking yeah. about hockey and you know you, they're getting the sense that he's a hockey junkie hunk, hockey nerd as they said and then just like with with Reinbacher, it was just like, wait, what? Like, why are yeah, why aren't right. you asking I actually, him? I actually rewound it and played it again. Like, what, did they did they ask him what I thought they asked him? It was just yeah, exactly. Weird. I because I was I was working and kind of not watching, more listening, and like, yeah. and, and I just like this part comes on, and I'm just like, wait, did I miss something here? Like, what's <laughs> going what's, what's going on right now? Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but the, but thing anyways, about the, way, the way he answered it, and it's what impressed me about him when he was at development camp, is that for a young kid coming to a new country from Austria, a language, his English is very good, but it's still not his first language. 
you know, all the negativity towards him after the Canadians drafted him, the way he handled himself at the development camp, he was just really mature, really, really mature for an 18 year old kid. I was thinking to myself like, wow, like that was, I was really impressed by the way he handled himself when he was in the media scrums and, and also he handled himself with that sort of bizarre question. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I think at that age, I might've started laughing. You know, really? really? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I would have done one of those. Cause like in certain situations, I have a very good poker face. Yeah. Others that just like really catch me by surprise. Yeah. Like I do like, you know, kind of like you see in TV shows, like where it's like a little exaggerated and you're like, what, what, <laughs> you know, like, like I would have done like, probably like you would have seen it on my face. I would have been like, mm, what? what's going on here right now? But uh, yeah, it was, but it he was handled, I mean, he handled it. Yeah. He said, whatever, what else are you going to say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, no, I would have let him go, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I would have kept no the old ladies too, elbowed them in the head and uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, hey, if he was, uh, who did that? Ryan? No, uh, Ryan O'Byrne did that. So uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe would have. No, there's a maybe whole story behind that story too. That was, uh, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, hey, I like good on the Canadians for for coming out with something because you know a lot of NFL teams, well, you know, they they release yeah. those videos and, and it's really cool. Fans eat that up, and the Fans NHL needs to up. do more Fans of that. Eat it up. I mean, I know when Chantal McAbee took over uh, her job as um, vice president of media relations or the exact title, but, you know, she said that, you know, when she was a little girl, she fell in love with the Canadians because of Guy Lafleur, and she had like 50 of his autographs and she was able to see him outside the forum. And that's what, and she said, you know, she wants fans to fall in love with today's players the way she fell in love with Guy Lafleur. And one of the ways of doing that is having more access to them. I mean, the Canes have sheltered players and, and, you know, they Cole Caulfield, when Chantal took over, she told him, be yourself. You know, you're a funny kid. You have a good sense of humor. Be yourself with the media. Don't be afraid to just be so you know, reserved and uh, mm-hmm. give the cliche answers all the time. And it's refreshing for somebody covering the team because you can get a little bit better stuff out of these kids. But that's people, fans eat this stuff up. Fans, and especially in this city, you know, here it is uh, September 5th and it's 40 degrees Celsius outside and it's some, the end of summer. And we're talking Canadians as we have been all summer. People can't mm-hmm. get enough of this team. They want to know about these guys. They want to know what they're like off days. So they don't just want to know how many goals they scored or whatever. They want to know what these guys are like, what kind of people they are. And that's what makes fans fall in love with the players and fall in love with the team. And the NHL is behind other leagues when it comes to that. Other leagues understand that with the amount of access they get and players mic'd up and things like that. And they're not so... Uh, afraid of everything that somebody's going to say something wrong or something controversial or something that's not out of the that's out of the norm a little bit. So the NHL's way behind when it comes to stuff like that in marketing, and the Canadians are one of the teams further behind in the NHL uh, than other teams. But Chantal's done a good job since she took over of just trying to make the players a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more open and willing to be just be themselves more when they're dealing with the media or doing videos like these type of things that the Canadians released. I'm willing to bet there's going to be more stuff like this during the season. Um, you know, like, for example, I mean, obviously, as everyone knows who's been listening to, who's a regular listener to this podcast, uh, I'm a massive Bengals fan, follow all their social media accounts and whatnot. Every week, they mic up one or two players, and then at the end of the uh, at the end of the game, they'll release a two, three, four minute video of just sound clips and stuff that happened during the game, their voice in it. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw that from the Canadians this season, because that's, that stuff is gold. That is gold. People love that, including me. I I watch the videos all the time. I think it's great. 
Well, they had a thing on their Twitter account the other day from a golf tournament, and it was, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, Jordan Harris and uh, Mike Pizzetta golfing. Yeah, and It was kind of right. funny. Like, you know, one of them swung at the ball, the ball went about three feet, and the other one yells four. <laughs> you know, the, the stuff like that, fans, fans eat it up. They can't get enough of uh, stuff about these Canadian players. Yeah, and uh, as, as we mentioned, so do we, because uh, it's it's – I never understood what was the reasoning behind wanting to strip away their personalities and just kind of make them these robots. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's not what, well, what goes what, there. One of the reasons PK was one of the most popular players the Canes have had in, in years and years and years is because he, they couldn't do that to him. No matter mm. how much they tried to put him in and, you know, just be the good Canadian hockey boy and say all the cliches, PK was PK. And and the mm-hmm. fans loved it, and you know the triple low five with Carey Price. You know when they brought PK back to the Bell Center and had that night, the fans went crazy when they did it again. And to think the Canadians actually outlawed that. Michel Terry and Mark Bergeron <laughs> wouldn't let them do That's the crazy. triple low five after victories, even though the fans loved it. Like the fans, it, fans would stick around later after the after the game to yep. watch them do it, and they were like, "No, that can't happen. That's not good." And and. Yeah, and it's part. It's PK's personality is one of the reasons he was just so popular in this city because Montrealers love that uh, that you know, it's a vibrant city and they like people with vibrant personalities. And PK had it, and they tried to they tried to knock it out of them, and they couldn't. And then the only way they yeah. could was to trade them. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And uh, you know what? Though, thankfully, those days are over, and the the day of the new age athlete is in. Because, I mean, this is the other thing with miking up players. It really doesn't, you know, do anything to the to your team because it's not like, you know, it's when a reporter puts a microphone in front of a player and then they slip up and they give like a real juicy nugget. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're kind you got all the footage. You're controlling what you're putting out yeah. there. So I just I really hope we see more of that stuff because I think it's I think it's great. I think that you know they should even start it with just mic them up during the red and white game. Just see how it goes. Yeah. See the response. Well, when that twenty four seven came out, remember how popular that was. That was the first. Oh, time well, it was. It was like a weekly that. thing. I watched it all yeah. the time. And then the thing with PK sort of backfired on them, and uh, they got sort of cut back more and more after. They were edited more carefully, I guess, after that. But um, you know, it, it's it's you know the video they did, uh, the recent one they did, you know, when they mentioned and the Canadians select, and it was Carey Price and their David, and then they cut into. Kent Hughes saying linebacker, and I thought they're not going to just ignore that. And then when they went to the table, they sort of had press yeah. apology. I'm saying, you know, I just sort of froze there and, and whatnot. But but again, it's that behind the scenes stuff that uh, fans can't get, and we in the media can't get. Like we're we're not sitting at the draft table. And I remember uh, when they made the trade for Kirby Doc at the draft, and uh, the conversation they videotaped the conversation of Kent Hughes on the phone with Kirby Doc, telling them that they had acquired them and telling them you're going to come, you're going to love the coach. You're going to get a chance to play. You're going to get a chance to perform. And from the media, it was great to get from the media standpoint too, because we don't, you know, we can't hear what they're saying at the table. So that was, uh, it's good to see. And hopefully they continue to do more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, ju- and just on the last note, it's be- like, I remember watching NFL drafts and whatever, like always after the draft, they'll like during the draft player gets picked. They're in the green room. They're on their phone right away. They're on the phone with someone, whether it be the coach of the team, the their agent, somebody. They're talking to someone important. Um, but you don't really get the inside. And I'll rem- I remember, like, I forget which player the Bengals had drafted, and the coach called the, the player and was just like, hey, I just want to let you know, 
this is Zach Taylor from the Bengals, or so-and-so, this is Zach Taylor from the Bengals. And the guy literally said, F off, you're prank calling me. <laughs> like he did, you know, like that's awesome. I think that's great. Yeah. I think we need more of that. I think it's great. The thing is, sports is sports is entertainment, right? It's entertainment. If you're spending entertainment mm-hmm. when you go to the Bell Center, you're spending entertainment. You want to be entertained. And uh PK entertained fans, and and then the Canadians got the point they're playing a bland now now they're playing an entertaining style of hockey, and the Sioux management team understands that too. They've spoken about it. It's entertainment. You you, you go to the Bell Center, Canadians aren't gonna win every game. But at least you want to be entertained when you go. You want, you want to see Cole Caulfield score. Or it used to be you wanted to see PK score. Or you wanted to see the triple low five. You wanted to see all that stuff. That's what you're paying to go to the game to get the live experience. And I think uh, uh, the Canes forgot that. And they seem to be, as I said, with new management team, and including Chantal there now, they seem to be trying to bring that uh, that back a little bit more. And, you know, I mean, I'm back in the days, you know, before cell phones and that, you know, in the early 90s when I was single and I was downtown a lot on Bishop Street or Crescent Street, you'd see the Canes out all the time. Like it was rare you went out on a Friday night or a Saturday night after the game. You'd see the guys come into the bars and they have a few drinks and they'd be around. And people saw them. People saw them out and about. You can't. They don't do that now because it's too. Everybody be taking cell phone pictures. And oh yeah, all over the place that this guy was drinking last night or this guy had two whatever. But you know, back then you, you you felt there was more of a. I think fans had more of a connection to the players. You actually saw them when you went out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see that anymore. Like, you know, I'm not downtown like I used to be, but I mean, you know, yeah. players aren't hanging out at uh, Sir Winston Churchill's like they used to be, or uh, uh, Deja Vu, which was one of my hangouts back in the day on Bishop Street. Uh, it just doesn't happen because it's just their, the social media has become, uh, they're too worried about what might happen social media wise if they're out having a good time in public. Well, let's see if I'll get this right. Where they will be hanging out next Monday is I'm going to take a stab. I don't know the golf course, but I'm going to take a stab because I think you, I'm probably pretty sure you probably know it. Uh, Laval sur le Lac. Yeah, same place. Nailed every it. Year. It's, I've never Nailed played it. the course. I've never been fortunate enough to play it. Uh, I've covered the tournament many years, uh, mm. but it is a spectacular golf course. And it's uh, it's always a fun day. It's the, official, the unofficial start to the season. Uh, the weather's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be like 21 and sunny and not 40 and blistering heat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's always a fun day. It's sort of, it's it's it, it's the unofficial start to the season and you get to uh, see guys you haven't seen in five months or whatever it's been now and interview guys again and uh, sort of get back into the, the start of a new season. So I think it's fun for the players. It's fun for us in the media also uh, to sort of get back into the, uh, the daily groove of, of covering the team and covering the beat. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Hard to believe it's only six days away. Yeah, and then Crazy. the rookie camp starts on uh, Wednesday, and then the regular training camp uh, the next week, and then I think it's what September 24th or 25th, something like that. The first preseason mm-hmm. game. It's coming quick. Yeah, and uh, we here will be bringing you all the analysis, breaking it down, and giving hot takes as we usually do. Stu, thank you very much. Have a great rest of your week. Okay, you too. That was Stu Cowan. I'm Matt O'Han. I'll be back next Monday breaking down with maybe Stu the opening uh, the uh, Canadians golf tournament. We'll see you then. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube. Inst- the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. 
your premier gaming destination.